Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, where you'll find the best car loan to get you on the move. Talk to one of our team today at Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, O'Neill Street, or CartmacrossCU.ie. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Get lowest can be APR, zero deposit required, and finance arranged within four hours with all 192 pre-ordered Renaults. What are you waiting for? There's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda or Cavan. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch and a big thank you to Joan who sat in for me for uh, Thursday and Friday last week. Really do appreciate it, Joan. And she'll be with you again soon, I can promise you, so you won't have long to wait. Now, we have a lot coming up on Monday afternoon's show for you. We begin today with someone who I've met before on Late Lunch. And when I tell you that she appeared in the recently published Sunday Times annual Rich List and made history in doing so, and that she's Head of Client Relations and Operations at prepaid financial services in Navin. Yes, if you're an avid listener to Late Lunch, you'll know who she is. Valerie Morn holds the distinction of being the company's first employee back in 2008. And look where she is today. They've come a long way, haven't they? Herself and the business. Valerie, great to see you again on the show. Well, thank you very much for inviting me the second time around. Thanks for having me. Not at all. You're so welcome. Tell them what what the distinction is of your appearing in the rich list this time. Okay, the distinction was I was the first black woman to appear in the rich list. Um, the first woman to appear in the first thousand. So that made history essentially um, because there hasn't been any wom- a black woman or woman of colour as, as far as I know, yes. according to the articles since I've since followed since the last week, Sunday, to be honest with you. So this is why, to be honest with you, They must have felt a need to emphasize that and also an encouragement for other women of color and black women as well. Yes, of course. And may I say congratulations to you again. What does it mean? Is is it an endorsement of uh, as such or do you just look at it as, well, another step on the road? Well, for firstly, thank you for mentioning. To be honest with you, it's not just an endorsement. I was pleasantly shocked, to be honest with you, because that's not something I would have thought I would have been the first black woman it's not something I would have been paying attention to. Mm. It's something that I would have even not even thought of. So then to come out and be the first black woman, it means a lot yes. because it's a huge milestone for a lot of for myself. Yeah. And also, I hope it turns out to be an optimistic um element for those women that are looking to venture into business. 
Mm-hmm. Now, you are a most successful woman. How? How have you made this success for yourself? What do you put it down to? What are the key attributes? Can you give us a few of the, mm-hmm. the things that make Valerie Morn so successful? Okay, major key attributes for that is really hard work. Hard work is the most important thing when you're trying to set out um, and open up your business or basically venture into any market. Then essentially that dedication, that commitment and that passion and self-belief is really, really important. Then along the way, in terms of business strategy, you look at your product and then you see, where is my product going to make me money? Because essentially that's the most important thing that you want to do. And then when you reevaluate your product and your market, then you know the road you're on. Essentially, it will map out itself if you're doing things right. Basically, looking at the market, looking at your feedback from your clients, taking that into consideration, trying to improve the product that you are, never settling that what you have is best, always trying to keep abreast of the market and above all your competitor. Because whilst you're sleeping and your competitor is already trying to think of the next solution that's better than yours. So what do you do? You keep yourself abreast of that market, really, and you never rest on your laurels. Now, you mentioned mm-hmm. sleeping. Mm-hmm. You don't do much sleeping, mm-hmm. Valerie Morn, may I say, because you work mighty long days. Is it true that most of your working days are 15 hours? Well, essentially, sadly, yes, but I don't look at that as... A negative, because I spend my day in the office trying to catch up with all uh, different departments, the different line managers that need feedback or where things are held up because we haven't made a decision. So when I finish work, I get my me time and go home and catch up on my emails. And in between, of course, I will make sure that, you know, I get essentially an hour for myself. However, yes, it is a long day. You don't get successful overnight by sleeping. You get successful by putting elbow grease in it. And, you know, people Mm -hmm. have an impression, Valerie, in Mm -hmm. the world today. And a lot of young people with this celebrity thing that you have, especially in the online space, Mm -hmm. that it just comes to you. Not so. It doesn't come to you. It does not come to you. When you work for yourself, you work twice as hard. In fact, I'd say maybe three times as harder. You are 15 people built in one because obviously you have to try and keep abreast with everything that's going around you. You have to make sure sure that whilst you're listening to everyone that is around you, you're also trying to think of the future of the business. So you're a constant revolving door. That's what I think. But when you build a business and it starts being successful, like what's happened with PFS, you know, that motivation and that passion actually ignites out of yourself. Mm -hmm. And then that drives you and gives you that enormous kick to say to yourself, I think I'm doing it right. And just to tell listeners, the uh, abbreviation used there is for prepaid financial services mm-hmm. and Valerie and her husband, Noel. I want to say hello to Noel as well mm-hmm. today. Thank you. Uh, he'll probably catch up on this sometime. Uh, that's their business and mightily successful it is. You've turned a profit for 10 years in a row. Yes. You're doing something right. Absolutely. And we're blessed to have been able to be in that position because it's very difficult to build a profitable business over a number of years. And we've done that for 10 years. So having looked, looking back in retrospect, 
obviously evaluated our market, evaluated our strategy and our forward planning and our forecasts. That has helped us to make a profit. A question already for you. Keep them coming to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you want to. Put a question to Valerie or comment. Listener says, that woman is amazing. Can I ask, how does she deal with stress? Because everything you read now says you have to have a lot of me time Mm -hmm. for mindfulness. That is very true because you need that time to step away from the business and say to, okay, this is my time to be collectively me, just Valerie, not Valerie Valerie associated to prepaid financial services or e-com. And what I try and do is that one of the things I'd like to do is over the weekends, I've suddenly discovered I have this passion in interior design and trying to do up different uh, um things that I do during the course of the the week, whereby I say to myself, how do I switch off? I switch off in the sense that I come home from work. I take an hour or two to myself before I dive back into work. That allows me to rethink and reassess and just be me. And a stressful day, my job, yes, can be very stressful. But I think what helps me pass through that uh, stress is that I'm also naturally an optimistic person. And optimism helps you see pass through your obstacles because you're always going to be faced with obstacles if you're managing a business like we do. But you can't dwell on those obstacles and let them get you down. You need to overcome them. And by so doing, you find that that helps you to de-stress. And that's what I do. So you have your own particularly Mm -hmm. unique way of doing this. Mm -hmm. Another listener on to say, Jerry, will you ask your guest, how many hours does she sleep? (laughs) I'm sure the listener, I'm saying you're working 15 a day. (laughs) What what sleep do you need? Do you get by on? This is an interesting question for successful people. Yes, well, essentially, okay, fine. During the course of the week, I work really, really late. And then I end up having maybe five or six hours sleep. But then during the weekend, please don't call at my house before 10 o'clock because I won't open the door. So uh, that's when I get my me time and it comes back to yes. me. Interesting. And you can function perfectly on the five, six hours. Absolutely. No bother to you on, on that one there. Um you love you, and I quote from an interview you did, successful people who give back. Yes, it's true. Um, this obviously a quoting from the World Food Health um, yes. program that we did for Mali. You can't always just take, take. You also have to stand back and say to yourself, what can I give back to society? And one of the ways we try and give back traditionally as a company every year at Christmas, we try and give back to different number of charities that we pick randomly or some that have approached us for help. Or during the course of the year, we get so many letters now of people looking for help and seeking sponsorship. We love to be part of that journey with them. So we do give back to people that reach out to us. We can't give, reach out to help everyone, but what we do and try where we can stretch our hand and help out, we love to be part of that. In that extensive interview you did, you mentioned two very well-known men, uh, Richard Branson and Bill Gates, as people you'd like to meet sometime. Yes. Why? 
because look at the inspiration those two men have built. I find their business models very powerful and in the sense that two things that have happened that uh, are similar to our journey. Bill Gates and Richard Branson never finished high school. And however, they had that determination and that drive to say, I want to be successful. And if you have determination, passion and drive, you will make you make something out of yourself. And in the same breath, mm-hmm. you said, and I continued, that another man you wanted to mention mm-hmm. that you have still have, even though he has passed on mm-hmm. tremendous admiration for is Joe Riley, and we remember Joe well. We had a lovely interview, yes. a number of them here with Joe on the show, but one a short time before he passed on as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why do you mention Joe specifically and his legacy? I mention Joe because I think everyone that listens to this program or has ever met Joe, he's touched many different lives. That man, I think, has made a difference to a lot of people in the county, and just before he died just to see how he was so considerate and how he considered um, everyone's opportunities. What he did was he approached Ecom, myself in particular, to see that if we could basically have a partnership for two years with the solstice. He knew that he wouldn't be alive to see that partnership. But what he wanted to do is that he wanted to make sure that he looked after everyone after his passing. And he does, mm-hmm. and still does, and you are a supporter of his. Mm, absolutely, even though he's gone. Supporter. Yes, you didn't lick your business acumen off the ground, if you don't mind me saying, <laughs> because your mom and dad and your aunts and uncles in Zimbabwe, they were all entrepreneurial people, weren't they? Well, my mom wasn't really an entrepreneur. She was more, I'd say, uh, a housewife stroke. Um, worked as a hairdresser and as a beautician. My father would have been the entrepreneur. Okay. My father worked, um, had a job where he worked from 2 a.m. to, sorry, 3 a.m. in the morning to half past two in the afternoon at, for a large abattoir in, the U, in, in Zimbabwe. And then after he'd finish his work, he would go and manage three of his businesses, which was a a butchery, a bakery and a school clothing factory. And my dad worked very, very long hours. In fact, he was a serious workaholic. He even worked on Christmas Day. That's how bad he was. But however, what he always taught us was that, you know, nothing comes to you if you sit on your hands. And I think that rested with us as the kids because we were five of us. And it taught us and it disciplined us that, you know, if you want to be successful, you have to work for it. On the other side of my family, my mom's brothers in particular and my aunts were very, very well educated. They they promoted education because three of my uncles are professors at um, two of the universities in South Africa and one of them is a dean actually at the university in South Africa and then one of them is a professor in Zimbabwe. So they always promoted education really to say you must educate yourself and the person that really promoted that was my mum 
education was key factor all the way. And you would say that to people, even though you did mention others who didn't finish their high school, like Gates and Branson and that. But you say today, inspiration. Yes. Okay. But to Mm -hmm. uh, to listeners today and people who have children and going through formal education and maybe some have dropped out and etc. You're a big advocate of lifelong learning. I am. I am indeed. Because with lifelong learning, you get different opportunities that come your way. And especially modern day, you do need to have qualifications. Valerie Morn is with us on Late Launch. Huge congrats, says another listener to Valerie and Noel. It's lovely to see a local couple doing uh, so well and providing jobs to the community. I didn't ask you that. How many people would you be responsible for? So between all companies, the UK has about 40 staff today. And then in Ireland, we have 140. And then in Malta, we have about 40 developers. So around about 220 staff. It's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. 230, sorry. And and it's a big responsibility because Mm -hmm. you have to keep opening new doors all the time, yes? Absolutely. It is a huge responsibility, but this is where you need to make sure that you you as an employer, as a business owner, you have essentially a relationship with every employee that you hire. There's an employment contract there. And that contract means that I'm going to make sure that I provide work for you. And by providing work for them means that I'm going to make sure that you have job security. Me as a business owner, I need to make sure that I have incoming business to take care of those clients that come on board and we to do delivery of the projects that we deliver. So that essentially there is business coming through the door so that we it's a revolving door of a circle that basically marries into each other. Mm-hmm. Is it important to keep staff motivated as well? Yes, it is. It's very important to keep your staff motivated because, you know, they need to enjoy their work environment. And, you know, you get more out of your employee that's motivated than somebody that's not motivated. It's uh, sensible and it's a raucous sense and a a mantra, really, that every business should have to the fore of of their minds. Mm -hmm. Um, Another listener on, what tips would Valerie give to a new business starting out? Well, when you're starting off your new business, look at your market. What's the point of starting a business when there's no market? So if you have a product that you have today, have you checked that I can actually sell this product? And have you checked what your competitor, your competitors, how progressive they have been with the same product? If it's a new product that you're trying to venture in, try and make sure that you do like a prototype to make sure that at least you have some kind of understanding for your market. It's very important that whatever you venture in, There is a market because at the end of the day, you need clients to come on board. Without clients, you have no business. And there must be that basically for it before you get going. You'll be stuck in the blocks and and you have nowhere to go, really. Absolutely. Now, now for yourself, you mentioned your aunts and uncles big into the education and your dad's business acumen and your mum, you know, Mm -hmm. your mum's role as well. You had hoped to follow a career, a medical career. Yes. But that didn't happen. No, it didn't happen because my father was really against that, really. Um, I thought I would go into the medical uh, fraternity, but he wasn't too keen on it because 
at that time when I wanted to go into the medical fraternity, there were so many hiccups in Zimbabwe as a country. So that was the reason. And, of course, then you follow the route and uh, become a systems al- analyst and then yes. the rest is history. Then I, then the rest is history and then, obviously, here I am. Here today. you are today. You mm-hmm. mentioned Zimbabwe and, of course, it's been through an awful lot, the country. Absolutely. Uh, in, in going back many years uh, with Mugabe, I know a new leader and the country where it is today. Where is it, Valerie? You know, we hear, we get the news feeds and we rely on those. But as somebody maybe who has their finger more so on the pulse. Absolutely. I mean, it's trying to basically come out of its um, recession. That's where I can say it's slow progress, but uh, a slow progress that's rather painful for the locals. Because when I say it's rather painful, is because there's really no work in Zim at the moment. So for the young people, you're finding that there's a mass exodus of the young people. Now, which is not really good for a country because your young people are your future generation. So what needed to happen was opportunities to be there in Zimbabwe so that the country can start growing. So whilst he's trying his best, the new president, but I think he's got a serious challenge. Does that pain you to think about? It does pain me because obviously, you know, you want where you come from to, you know, I'm all, I'll always be Zimbabwean, even no matter what. Um, And there's that sense of belonging home. But at the same time, when you ask yourself, you know, I would have liked maybe some of my success to be part of Zimbabwe. But how do I take it there when I know nothing would happen with it? The future. It's a possibility down the road. Absolutely. Never say never, as you Absolutely. say yourself. And uh, being optimistic is one of your, your major traits yeah. as well. Valerie Moran, thank you for dropping into us again today. I know you're a very busy lady. Thank and congratulations again on creating history and uh, continued success at prepaid financial services and all you do to yourself and Noel. Thanks a million. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you very much. It's summer holiday season and one of the things you have to plan for when thinking of getting away is what to do with your beloved pets. The Pet Centre, Linenhall Street, Dundalk, have been taking care of the North East pets for over 50 years. And in addition to being Ireland's longest established pet store and grooming salon, they've recently introduced their fantastic new iPet Hotel, pet boarding service. My oh my. And to celebrate the new service, the guys at the Pet Centre are offering one of our lucky listeners the chance to win a week's stay for your pet at the iPet Hotel, a superb programme full makeover session for your animal and a month's supply of pet food. What a prize that is. There'll be five consolation prizes as well of a €25 programme voucher. How do you win this? You'll find all the details on the LMFM Facebook page. Get cracking, get in there now. And we thank the Pet Centre, Linhall Street, Dundalk, for that great prize and wish them well with the new service. Now, I interviewed her on the publication of our first book called Why Can't Everything Just Stay the Same, which made its mark with an extensive readership. She's back with an impressive follow-up with the title Can I Say No? I'll say hello now to Stephanie Bresner. Hello, Stephanie. Hello, how are you? I'm very good. Thanks so much for taking our call. I want to ask you this first. Were you reared, taught, predisposed to saying yes to most everything? Yeah, I think that 
I, I think that a lot of young girls are. I mean, I went to an old girls' school, and I remember on the wall of the school there was a list of rules, and the list of rules printed on the wall said, be nice, be kind, be a good friend, listen, share, uh, look out for your friends. But at the same time, I was doing Taekwondo in the evenings in the boys' school across the road, and their rules on the wall were like, no kicking, no hitting, no spitting, no biting, no fighting. And it seemed to me when I was writing the book, can I say no, that like little girls are almost socialized into being these like people pleasing, kind, carers and 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 boys are socialized completely differently. Isn't that an interesting comparison you make, even when you were growing up, that this was there, this was the way it was. So look then, you took on board the yes scenario and away you go. What or when or why did you say, hold on a minute, no more? So I kind of forgot how to say no, for, like well into my 20s. I was just living to to make other people happy because I felt like, if I didn't do what other people wanted me to do, if I said no, that I would never get invited anywhere, that people wouldn't want to hang out with me, that I wasn't enough just with my own boundaries and my own desires. And then, but because I, then I had a few good friends, right? I have one best friend called Rachel and she's very good at saying no. And I used to have this tradition with her where we would ring each other every morning. She lives in New York. Um, and so I would ring her when she woke up. And one day she said to me, it's too much. I I can't I can't commit to doing this every day. And she was really upset because she thought that by telling me that she couldn't ring me every day, that I would then like revoke my friendship from her. And I realized that like the fears that I had with saying no to other people, she had with me, and they were just ludicrous. So I realized that I needed to start in the same way that I still loved her, even though she said no to me. I needed to start saying no in order to be kind of real in the world and allow myself to be the person I am and the people who want to hang out with me can and the people who don't won't. And it's interesting because when you start saying no to people, there are a lot of people who do fall away. It's not as if like everything is rosy in the garden. I used to be the bag watcher in my group of friends, you know, so like if we went on a night out, I'd be the one who'd sit watching the bags while everybody else went dancing. And when I started saying no to doing that, a lot of people were like, well, they just stopped inviting me out because I didn't serve a purpose other than the bag watcher. So I'm not saying that once you start saying no to everything, it all goes well. There are some friendships that kind of fall away, but they're not true friendships, are they? They're not. When people take that uh, attitude and respond in that way, the way you say there. But here's the thing. You know, the way people don't say no, they say, oh, I'm going somewhere else or they have an excuse or they tell a white lie. Is that a good way of getting out of saying no? I think it depends on how disingenuous it is. Sometimes Mm. I think a white lie can like lubricate social situations. So, for example, I'm a freelancer and I have to chase a lot of my own invoices. And I, it's awkward, you know, chasing people for money. So what I've done is I've set up a fake email address that is kind of like the Stephanie Prisoner Accounts Department. And I pretend that a guy called Dave works there and I chase emails from his account. I chase invoices from his email account. <laughs> and it just me like, maybe people know that I'm lying, but at least when I meet them then face to face the next time, we don't have the awkwardness. So sometimes I think it's okay to have a little white lie. God, you're after creating a new 
modus operandi for lots of self-employed people and freelancers around the country <laughs> when you mention that, Stephanie. It's really hard to chase your own invoices and go into work the next day and for it not to be awkward. So I've been that soldier. I agree with you for sure. The other thing is when you're a freelancer, you really don't say no to anything. Have you over that? Well, you can, can you? Like, it's so hard. I started as an actor. And that's the worst job for a people pleaser because you literally are at the end of everybody else's yes. Like, you don't get to say no. You just go and you hope that other people say yes to you. And as a freelancer, I think you believe that, like, every... You don't know when the work is going to come, so you have to make hay when the sun is shining. And you sort of believe that if you if you say no to a job, they'll go in there and get someone else, and then that person will be better than you, and then they'll get the work from that from then on, and you'll never be asked again. And it's almost like every yes you say is a link to the next job, and if you say no, you'll break the chain and you'll be unemployed forever. It's so scary. There's so little agency. It's about powerlessness. You feel powerless when yeah. you don't have the ability to say no. And that's what the book is about. It's not just about me. It's about how you don't always have to say no, but you have to feel like you could and it would be respected. Yeah. And I, I swung the other way then in the book. I started saying no to absolutely everything <laughs> and my life got very small. And and I realized that the yeses that I was, the noes that I was saying weren't leading to the future that I wanted for myself, you know? Like, yeah. if it's your dream to, to drive a BMW one day, but you keep saying no to every offer of a driving lesson, sure, you're never going to, if you can't drive, you can't drive a BMW. That's true. So I realized that, like, I needed to start opening up my life to, to letting the things in that I wanted for my future. But it still feels uncomfortable, like, saying no to work or, you know, saying no to the societal pressure to, you know, like, run a marathon or do couch to 5K or only eat green food. Like, it's there's just so many shoulds out there at the moment. It's endless, particularly for women, you know? Mm. Like, with, 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 with marriage and having children and then how you raise the children, it's just endless. And if you give in to all of the pressures of what society says you should be, it's a recipe for deep unhappiness, I think. And saying no, you know, saying yes is great and you can help. And I'm a devil for it. It's often said to me, you need to start saying no, you know, to things and just uh, chill out a bit. But here's the thing. Have you felt when saying no to something or somebody or some event really good about it? Have I, have I felt good, good about saying yes, no? Good, yes, good about saying no. You know that guilt thing you say, or I'll lose all my friends, or I don't go to that wedding, I'll cut myself off, or I'm not yeah. going out for that drink. You know, when you sit back and, and think about it, is there a feeling of, you know, do you have that warm feeling that you did say no? Yeah, sometimes I do, for two reasons. One is that sometimes if I say no to something, say like a music festival, sometimes I've been asked to like speak at a panel at a music festival, and I hate music festivals. I will like sit on my phone and scroll through Instagram and look at everybody else's photographs of the festival and just be so grateful I am not there. I will be like in my PJs on the couch with a cup of tea looking at people drunk with mud up to their knees in the rain in some, you know, like Midlands County and just be so grateful that I said no. (laughs) And then there are other times that if I'm asked to do something and I say no, and then they ask somebody else, that other person gets an opportunity. I talk about it in the book about like different actors who said no to playing certain roles. And you just can't imagine anyone else in the role now. But like once you say no, you leave space for somebody else to have the opportunity mm. that they maybe dreamed of. Like maybe somebody else's dream was to go to a music festival mm. and you or no facilitates their yes. 
Yeah. You know, I was thinking with this ahead of this conversation with you today, I was looking at Ireland and thinking about no and people that say no. Do you know the best county in Ireland for saying no? Cork? Donegal. They've said oh, no God. to everything that's been put to them in referenda and votes over the years. You look it up. The Donegal well, the people thing. know how to say no. Well, in the book, I do talk about like when a country says no. And I don't mean that as voting no. Like, I think that this country in the last two referenda have said a big, massive no. Like, mm. no to the old way of thinking. No to archaic views of, of women and homosexuality. and um, No to you know, the pressure of the church and state being intertwined. And I think that the power that we have as a little country, like when we get together, we're phenomenally good at saying no. And 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 yes, meaning no, I know what you're talking about, but the referendum... That's what I'm saying, like not voting yes. no, but yes. saying yes, no Yes, exactly, exactly. Listen, before we finish, um, and I'd love to talk to you forever, you know that yourself, uh, I, I, I have to say, I really enjoyed the book, and I, I picked out chapter 17, it's only two pages, this little chapter, 153 and 154. Hanging out with old people is a great way to see saying no in action. Explain, Stephanie. I hang out with my nana all yeah. the time and she just doesn't do anything she doesn't want to do. Like I asked her if she had a problem saying no so that I could put it into the book and she was like, I don't want to talk about this now. I want to watch more and Dahi. <laughs> wouldn't even answer my question. Like I said to her, do you want to come to the late late with me? No. She's 91 now and she just doesn't. She's like, Asher, why would I be doing that? I have no interest. She doesn't care. And I think we could all, you know, like, maybe not wait until we're 91 to to take a leaf out of Nana's book. (laughs) I have to read these few words. One afternoon I called into the house and asked Nana, I'm writing a book and I'm wondering, is there anything you do out of obligation that you'd rather say no to? She thought about it, or at least she went silent for a time, as she served herself salmon darn and baby potatoes. Her list of priorities at that moment looked like eat dinner, watch favourite daytime chat show, don't be harassed by your grandchild looking to cannibalise your life for her latest book. And she said, I don't have time to think about that now, Stephanie. I want to eat my dinner, relax in peace with Maura and Dahi. And then you say, C, zero, F-C-K-S given. I love it. Yeah, she just didn't even care. <laughs> Listen, you've uh, another hit on your hand here, I have to say, with this book. You you really do. And uh, you're right. Uh, there are times when no has to be the answer and should be and say it and move on and never regret it. Can I Say No by Stephanie Preisner is out and about at the moment in all good bookshops. Nice to catch up with you. See you here soon. Thanks so much. Yes, definitely. Bye. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Stephanie Preisner there. And I have a copy of the book, Can I Say No? It's a cracker, it really is. You'll enjoy it. It's funny and it's real. Louise, do you say, you say yes a lot, don't you? Too much. Don't, but like, you, you but like she said, when you're a freelancer, as it was for such a long time, you just can't afford to say no. No, and I know that. And I went through that phase. have that fear that they'll go elsewhere and you'll never be asked again. No job. You won't get another job. And, and that's, but you know in life in general, can you say no to things? You know the way people say, oh, come on, we're going here, we're doing this. It's very hard. Mm. I have to say I use the kids as an excuse. For yeah. a lot. Mm. Say, no, I don't want to. Oh, I yes. can't. I can't, yeah, the kids. Yeah. I know, that's what I was saying to her there. And I, I think it's no harm, but times you just can't. You can't. And, and that's understandable for a lot of people mm. as well. 
But you know, I was brought That's up. I don't want to. It's a word. It's a, I have to say, it's a word. I rarely say no. I don't like the word no. But at times, I'm learning more as our grand did there that you do have to say no. At times, you really, really do. This is a lovely book. Can I say no? I want to say yes and give it to somebody today. Is that okay? Will we give it to somebody? So what I want to know Absolutely. is, what is the Irish word for no? The Irish word. Come on, you bilingual people, trilingual, whatever you are out there. What is the Irish word for no? Donegal people know it. <laughs> <laughs> they know it. I wasn't joking when I said that. Yeah, they when he said it. They rejected everything in Donegal. They're That's like amazing. an independent republic. I think we should... No, I better not say that. No, you better not. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that and deny anybody, but you know what I'm thinking. Anyway, there's a little narrow strip of land up the corner there that joins them to the rest. Nice canal there. A canal would be nice, wouldn't it? Just across there. <laughs> We had to put a bridge in it then at that stage. And say nothing. Anyway, what's the Irish word for Neil? You can't say anything and I'll tell them why later. The Irish word for Neil for Stephanie Preisner's book. You'll enjoy it. I'll send it out to you, I promise. Answers now with your name to 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text, both please, as soon as you can and we'll pick a winner before the end of the show. Up next, we're going to start crying at late lunch. It's the end of Game of Thrones. Stay with us. You've heard it, you've read it, you've seen it. The world's gone wild about it. The last ever episode of Game of Thrones was shown last night across the water, the other side of the Atlantic. And believe it or not, there is a local link, a significant link with Game of Thrones in the Northeast. Because, you see, Ryan's Bar. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Navin, listen to this. Have been showing Game of Thrones in there, and it has a huge following, and they're getting together for the last ever episode. I'm joined on the line now... Uh, by Paddy Stapleton, who's the commercial manager at Ryan's. Hello, Paddy. How are you doing, Jerry? I'm very good. Now, this came as news to us, and it all came out in light of the final episode. How many people would come to Ryan's to watch it? Well, we started with the very first episode of this series. Um, I took a trip to Dubrovnik a couple of years ago with a couple of friends of mine, and 
as you know, Game of Thrones was shot partly in Dubrovnik. And the series started there and we found a local pub that was showing it. And as it turned out, there was a load of tourists in there who decided to get together and watch it. So I came back a couple of years later, working in Ryan's first episode on I We thought, what if we did a bit of a, a, a shindig and put on Game of Thrones, showed it on our big HD screen. And we had a full pub on a Monday night with people showing up with their own tankards to fill. They were wearing Game of Thrones t-shirts. They brought their own Game of Thrones tankards. And there was great excitement in the pub. We gave out free popcorn. And it was, a, it was a great night. So we had originally only planned to show the first and the last episode, but we've shown it every week since. And you've had a strong following each week we into the place. We had a great following. We had people showing up with big tattoos on proud display. We had the regulars looking at them like they had two heads, but it was all taken in, in great time. <laughs> I heard the regulars were grumbling a bit at early doors, but something on the screen changed their <laughs> minds and attitude. It did. We had a, a couple of the regulars in who enjoyed their quiet Monday pints. And at the start, they weren't too happy with all these intruders coming in on a Monday evening, spoiling their nice, quiet point, pint. But uh, once a couple of these sex scenes came onto the screen, <gasps> they were soon perked up and they got on board a bit more than they were before. Holy God, I have the water out here and I'm blessing the place as, <laughs> as we speak. You'll have to do that. But they were, they were, they were convinced then that Game of Thrones was for them. This is something else, isn't it? The following this has and the interest in it. It is. It's huge. It's been a part of a lot of people's lives. It's, it's, I think it's just 10 years on the go. Mm. So we've all been glued to it for the past 10 years, eight series, so many characters that you love and I suppose so many characters that you hate as well. So everybody wants to know what's happening and it's, it's with the age of social media and Facebook and Twitter, there's very few TV shows that you know nothing about. So with, the, with these big episodes coming where nobody knows what's going to happen and they, they're all shrouded in secrecy, it's great that everybody gets together and finds out. It's, it's kind of like a communal thing where people have followed it so long and they want yeah. to see what's going to happen. You're obviously a big fan. Have you seen them all? I have, yeah. <laughs> uh, myself and my good wife. Uh, I've been up. We had a, a new baby a few weeks ago, so we've been watching at two in the morning doing night feeds. So we used to get up out of bed, so it worked out well for us. Can I make a confession? You can. You've never seen it. Never, ever. Well, now's the time to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of time in your hands. No, no, no. Yeah, sorry, uh, after the end of September when the fishing's over, maybe, and <laughs> the garden is looked after and all that type of stuff. But look, I haven't, honestly. What, what is it about it? What is it? That the risque scenes, of course. But look, seriously, what, what is the appeal in Game well, of it, Thrones? Well, it took me a while to get into it. I'd heard all my friends talking about it, and I heard it was about dragons and fantasy, and that would be my thing. But when you start watching it, it's really... it's a politically intriguing it's got it's got a um, kind of a lot of moving behind the scenes and intrigue it's got as i said sex it's got violence it's got i suppose the big selling point of it originally was it's it's quite a, a shocking kind of a, a show a lot mm. of people die nobody's safe so you can watch and your favorite character and the main star could be snuffed out in an instant so it kind of it caught people by the horns and got them into it because nobody knew it was going to happen. And in an age where in Marvel movies, you know, the superhero is never going to die, Game of Thrones came along and nobody was safe. And that was that got people's attention. You've sold it brilliantly. In, there you go. Get on board. In a moment there. You certainly are a man for the publicity for this. Well, is it really? to Ryan's tonight, 9 o'clock. I'll buy you a <laughs> So Ryan's tonight at 9 o'clock. And everybody welcome. Even if you haven't been there for any of the weeks, they'd love to see you. Tell me this. You know when a season comes to an end, I was a great fan of The Good Wife. And I followed all of those, I have to say. And I was sad when it finished. Do you think this is the right time to call a halt? I think so, yeah. There's, there's been some discontent about the last series that it hasn't been as... as as drawn out as they have before but it's gone on 10 years it's time to stop 
and sure enough, something will come along soon that will take its place and it'll be consigned to history. But it'll be, it'll be remembered as one of the great TV shows of our era. Watch this space. I'm sure the commercial manager at Ryan's has his thinking <laughs> cap on already because Mondays will never be the same. He'll have to find something else. We will. Anyway, good luck to you all. It's a nice little twist on Game of Thrones. Wish Jerry, you well for you the million. last one tonight. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me. Paddy Stapleton there from Ryan's. God, it's massive. Louise, have you watched it? No, I'm still trying to finish Charmed from 1997. <laughs> What's that? What are you watching? It was a show called Charmed. And it was Charmed. like a series. It was about three witches in California. Okay. And you're still watching it? Well, I'm still trying to finish that one. You know Never people, mind Coronation. Do you, you know just people can't. box sets and I sit down and I watch Are you into that? No. No, watch, no me neither. That'd I have just to say. I got Netflix at Christmas and I enjoyed a few. The, the, the Queen. Oh, listen. Absolutely brilliant. I love that. I can't wait for the next one to come. I watched Ozark recently on Netflix. That was really good. Did you? And another one I'd recommend, Sunderland Till I Die. If you're not even a sports fan, go into Netflix and start watching. I think there's only four or six in it. Sunderland Till I Die. It's about the football club. It's absolutely brilliant. And I highly recommend it. There's even one if you to don't watch. like football. Even if you don't like it, yeah. you'll love it because it's a real human story beside the sports as well. What happens to people at a club when it's gone down the tubes. So you're you th- won't be watching <laughs> Game of Thrones tonight then? No. Okay. <laughs> I might be on the throne, but I'm not watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> anyway, let's head. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have said that. Anyway, did you realise that a month tomorrow is midsummer? Yes, June 21st, and it falls on a Friday this year. It's a special time with more than 17 hours of daylight. The perfect excuse for a midsummer soiree. Great news, the folks at Boyne Brewhouse and Bowen Distillery are planning to make the longest day one to remember again this year and I'm delighted to be joined by Director of the Business, Sally Ann Cooney. Sally Ann, good to see you again. Good to see you again, Jerry. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for joining me on the show. Now, we want to say what's happening on the 21st of June is part of the Boyne Valley Food Series. That's right. And the Boyne Valley Food Series is uh, the most amazing um, schedule of events that run all through the year. Um, and everyone can go onto the Boyne Valley Flavours website and get the details there. But our official, uh, I suppose, contribution is our summer solstice supper. And we're running that this year on Thursday, the 20th of June. And it's an amazing uh, candlelight soiree um, where we join with our good friends on the Eastern Seaboard, Jenny and Reuven, and their amazing team. They always put together a spectacular feast for us which we match with all the the drinks that we make in the brew house and the distillery. And I'd just like to say, I think it's so important that the guys in the Eastern Seaboard won uh, the best restaurant in Leinster only last week. They did. Amazing. And they're up there with the likes of Dax in Dublin, Loam in Galway, the Wild Honey Inn um, and Ox. Like These are all Michelin star restaurants. So they're punching right up there with the best in the country. They're tremendous people because I I met Jenny recently. They were celebrating 10 years. You know, know, and and I remember on this show, they came in here, both of them, when they were starting out in Eastern Seaboard. And look at what they've achieved in the interim. They are remarkable people. So they're part of your soiree on the evening of the 20th, we want to say, going in, of course, after midnight to the longest day, the, the 21st. But I want to mention somebody else as well. You've snared a wonderful guest as well to come over from the West. We have. We are so excited to say that we've got Jess Murphy from the amazing restaurant Kai in Galway coming to join us and to collaborate with Jenny and Reuven. So for us, we think this year the uh, it's, it's very much East meets, meet, East meets West is our theme for, for this year. So we're going to have a lot of fun pulling together something really, really interesting for the night. Now, tickets went on sale today from eventbrite.ie. That's right. Tickets 
tickets went on sale at nine o'clock this morning and they're selling like hotcakes. So So if you want to go to this very special evening of the 20th into the 21st at Boan, you need to get on there immediately. Pretty much immediately, I think. They'll be gone by the end of I the day, I wish you luck. I wish oh, you luck because it is limited numbers, isn't it, as well, you know, but... It is, yeah. So it's definitely first come, first served. Uh, It's 120 people uh, in the distillery right underneath the copper pot stills. Um, A lot of candlelight, a bit of fire, uh, lots of fun. And it's always really interesting. We try and do different things every year. Yeah, and you've been doing it for how many years now? This is our fourth year. I was there last year and I have to say when you looked out onto the fields, the, the, the vista you have from... The beautiful glass facade there out. It's magnificent, isn't it? It really is. And I suppose it, it just showcases the best of our Boyne Valley. And the mm. plan for the summer solstice supper is with Jenny and Reuven um, and Jess Murphy is to actually really showcase all our local provenance. So pretty much everything we have will be our local producers, our Boyne Valley producers. Um, and look, we love working with them and it's always great fun. Mm. And nothing beats the produce in season from where you live. That ah. is proven over the years. Well, well, what about Boan and uh, the distillery as well? You're flying along there. My God, you're such innovative people. Oh, I don't know, Jerry. It's, it's taken a while, but we're getting there. So so the, the brew house is working, is flying along great. Uh, the beer, Boyne Brewhouse beer is selling really well. Our Cooney's Irish Cider is selling really well. We're getting lots of support from, from our local uh, pubs and restaurants and off-licenses, which is brilliant. We need it. Um, and uh, yeah, our distillery, we're hoping to get to fire up those stills this summer. So that's going to be a big that's uh, the red letter day That's the next phase of the evolution. That's the next phase. And then we move on to our visitor centres. So we'll have our, our cafe, tap room and uh, brewery and distillery tours so that's going to be for early next year at this stage okay it's been a, a an extensive project project hasn't it for you and the family it is it's a big project jerry it's uh, a little bit bigger than we first anticipated <laughs> it's grown <laughs> but we're getting there slowly but surely we're getting there and I just read you mill, mash, distill, mature and bottle. God, there's a lot of processes in that, isn't there? Everything from start to finish, we pretty much take um, our grain and we do everything the whole way through to bottling. So we, so we control the process from start to finish. And it's really important to us to have that control so we can get the best product possible into the bottle and onto the shelves for our customers. Is it special that, you know, your dad, Pat, of course, and your mum, Mary, and their associations with Drogheda, especially your dad and the Windmill Road and the Coonies there as well, to bring the stilling and beer production back to Drogheda? Because it had a great tradition going way back, but it was all but gone. Yeah, well, the, we had Kearns's Brewery and we had Preston's Distillery, which were a huge brewery and distillery, huge employers mm. in the location. And in the 1960s, they were disbanded and distilling and brewing left uh, left Drogheda. So for us, I think, and for Pat especially, you know, he's Drogheda born and bred. It's full circle for him to come back here and to bring something back to the, to the town that had been lost. The premises itself is extensive and, you know, it's positioned there. It's in a very good place for uh, accessing. You know, I'm thinking thinking about when you you do open your visitor centre, etc. as well. You're going to be really well positioned with the Boyne Valley and the attractions here and access to the M1. So you'd be hoping that, you know, this will bring more people to the area. Well, that's it. We definitely like to think that we can can bring people in, that they will then stay in the location and visit our other friends that we have uh, close and 
vice versa. You know, we, we've got very good relationships um, with the likes of Slane Castle and Slane Distillery. And uh, we see there's a lot, there's lots of scope there for developing a, f- a whiskey trail um, around, around the, the location. It would be fantastic, uh, you know, to bring it all together and have it, uh, the circle closed. Um you, you, I say again, you, you do a lot. You know what I mean? You brew beers, you have your whiskey maturing and you have whiskey, of course, at the moment. Gin on the way, distilled gin in the future. That's another aspect to what you're going to do. Yes? Yeah, that's something I'm personally excited about. I've been a gin, drink, gin drinker for a very long time. So I've taken, uh, I'm spearheading our distilled gin project. So as soon as we start uh, distilling proper in the distillery, uh, we'll be bringing on stream a really premium uh, gin project. Um, in the meantime, we have just released a new product uh, called Glass Box Spirits which is premium craft cocktails in a can so that's something that we hope to showcase this weekend at our um, at our open day event So what is that? There's uh, an independent beer week is it this week? Yeah so this week is actually kicking off Indie Beer Week it's been kicking off today um, and it's essentially it's celebrating all the independent craft breweries of Ireland um, it's, at a, it's an event that we've been involved in uh, since last year and it's a really good way I suppose it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a round uh, you know, gaining awareness for our consumers who the independent beer breweries are. There are a number of large breweries out there who um, have brought a number of, I suppose, faux craft uh, brands onto the market. And it's very difficult for real craft to prevail. So, you know, we, we feel very strongly that supporting local and supporting, uh, you know, your independent breweries is really important. And this is a way for us to try and shine a light on that and to showcase uh, to showcase um, our brewery and the other breweries around the country. And you're open Saturday, is it? This we're week? open on Saturday. So we're doing guided brewery tours. Our head brewers there, uh, Richie, and we've got another few of our brewers there as well. We'll be doing guided tours on the hour every hour. It's 10 euros for a tour and a pint. Then you can stay and uh, you can have some uh, gorgeous gourmet street pizza. We've Brendan from Gourmet Street Pizza there doing and pizza we'll have a little bit of jazz a little bit of cornhole a little bit of giant jenga so it's going to be a really really good day we've had so much fun doing this event and we really look forward to hosting it again that's an issue you mentioned there and it's a challenge for the independence you're right the big boys obviously this brewing phenomenon started I can remember again it's about a decade ago when it began and we had brew brewery over in trim Darren the guys over there starting up and others as well um, but the big boys responded with you know their own take on this as well is it difficult for you as an independent? You know, you mentioned you've got great support in the area here, but to roll it out further and get people to stock you, you know, when the others have so much influence. Yeah, it's a huge challenge. And, um, you know, when you are a small independent brewery and you're going into your customer, be it your pub or your off-licence, looking for that tap or looking for that space on their shelf, it is a huge challenge. And, you know, the larger breweries um, do come in and they do offer certain things that make it very difficult that we just can't compete with. But as I said, we do have we do have great support here. We can always do with more. Um, but, you know, it's a big challenge that the whole industry faces. So the Indie Beer Week this week is all about just highlighting the guys who actually really are your independent craft breweries mm, mm. and are doing the hard yards and doing the hard work. So it is down to the woman or man who owns the business to really stand up for you or say, yes, I will give you a shot at this. Yeah. Well, that's it. And, you know, one thing that we have found, which is amazing is that once 
or once the customer actually tastes our product, they love it and they come back to it. Um, and that's really important. You're also one to produce these seasonal brews. You're great people for that. You pick times of year and you go, is that difficult, you know, or is that possible because you are independent and craft that you can do things like that? Yeah, well, I, th- I, th- I think that means we can. We can move quickly. So we've got a, we've got a great team of brewers there. Um, our latest seasonal brew is a, um, is a Brut IPA, A2 Brute. And um, that was brewed by Jamie Williams, who's one of our new brewers. He brewed it up on our 200 litre pilot kit and then we brewed it, we packaged it and we had it on the market in a month. So we can move very quickly. We've also done a raspberry, uh, a raspberry sour called Raspberry Parade. So that, that went really well. And our seasonal brews are just really interesting beers. It allows our brewers to be a bit creative. Um, it gives them, you know, the opportunity to do interesting and different things. And then, you know, if people like them enough, we'll do them again. And... The whole thing of the of the seasonality and the year and being looking ahead to that. The other aspect is, what about, you mentioned local support and that, Grace. Nationally, what about internationally? Is that where you, you see yourself evolving into more nationally and export? Definitely, yeah. So export is a huge focus for us and there is a good interest in Irish craft abroad. Uh, definitely our cider is doing well. So Cooney's Irish Cider is, is getting a lot of interest there abroad. And um, for us, obviously, exports has to be uh, an important part of our overall strategy. Um, we have a large facility up there and the Irish market is actually quite small in the larger scale of things. So export's hugely important and we're constantly working away at that, chipping away. Um, but it's something that takes a lot of time to develop an export market. And of course, the whiskey, potential for whiskey around the world and Irish whiskey is remains enormous. I've heard that many times from different people on this show. Yeah, whiskey's growing absolutely um it's actually the fastest growing spirit in the world at the moment, Irish whiskey. Um, we're getting so much interest. We recently, uh, as recently as last week, we just got listed in Canada, which is amazing in the LCBO over there. So we are having some success with whiskey and we see that really, really ramping up over the next number of years as we bring our own whiskey on stream. Great news. All going well. Wish the Coonies all the very best. Thank you for joining me today and reminding people that the Summer Solstice Supper is on eventbrite.ie. Get in there if you want to go along. 120, it's limited to. And then this weekend, the Indie Beer Week. That's Saturday on the hour, every hour. Sally Ann Cooney, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Louise, I saw the most ingenious use of an election poster. Have you seen Already? the polls with them and uh, road junctions? They're everywhere. Yeah, they are everywhere. But I saw a brilliant one out uh, on the Cockle Road outside Drogheda. Uh, I was out in Dunnigan's yesterday evening. I was coming back in and uh, St. Kevin's are giving away a house. Well, they're not giving away. It's like the feckin' house thing. You know what I mean? There's yeah. tickets to 100 euro to win a house and... They commandeered the election posters, turned them round <gasps> to the blank back, put the St. Kevin's thing on them. Just two weeks to go. Are you in? <laughs> Brilliant. Did they kind of pick any... Is that illegal? ...party or did they... I, they discriminate? I wouldn't like to say, but is that illegal? I, I'd say they're showing their, um, you know, reuse Isn't that ingenuity by the Kevins? It isn't is, it? Yeah. I like it. I like it too. The Kevins I, from Phillipstown. I once saw it was about a year after... A, general election and I was walking the beach down at Sea Point and there was a kind of big sign Louth County Council I think there was they were doing some kind of work to the yeah. entrance of the beach and it, there was a sign but whatever way the wind had kind of turned it and there was a picture of I think it was Damien English looking out of me so they had a uh, Thought of that idea first. That it killed Damien. Damien's face and Loud County Council and him and Meath, man. Mm. Oh my God. And my dad would be the worst in the world if, if that happened, you know. And then when the wind blew, 
Damien was up for election and it blew the other way. Right. Uh, <laughs> it was County Loud Council. County Council. Ingenious use of those <clears throat> election posters. Ah. Anyone else see anybody do anything else with an election poster? I told you the best thing you could do with them when the uh, elections were declared or the race was on was to take them down, sit your ass <laughs> in them at the top of a hill and wee away you go. <laughs> best use I ever saw of an election poster. Very best use. Anyway, anyone the snow. <laughs> anyone cop anything with election posters out of the ordinary or unusual or ingenious use of them? And what could you use them for? I used them for making compost once. I did. I robbed a few of them when the election was over, and I brought them home. And they form a ring inside a piece of wire. Do you understand? For yeah, yeah. and then put your compost into it. Yeah, okay. I composted several election so posters. Be Great job. One of the best now. jobs you could ever do with them as well. <laughs> anyway, if you have anything to say, let us know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Louise, who's won Stephanie Preisner's book today? It's Bernie White uh, from Riverstown, Jerry, who sent us in, can I say no? And in Irish, it's Neil. The no, yes, no in Irish is Neil. Now, we got another word. What was the other yeah, word the some other people word suggested? Was if, U-I-M-H. Never heard uh, of it, but well done to you. Well done to you with him, but sorry, that it's it's the other ladies today. She said Neil and she gets the book. Anyway, I just want to remind you that the Garda Siakana Band, along with the award-winning RD Concert Band, are both in concert. And it's coming up this Thursday, the 23rd of May, 8 o'clock in the Bohemian Centre RD, and it's for a brilliant cause. It's an evening of music for little Sophia. And the tickets are 15 euro raffle on the night and if you can get along and raise the money for Happy Feet for Sophia it would be absolutely brilliant two great bands together there on the one night we were talking about election posters a few moments ago and I was suggesting some uses for them to you Uh, listen Jerry. some of the candidates came knocking to my door and they have more hope of getting into Europe than Manchester United don't be getting that United now none of that crack at all United are in Europe do you not know that they're in the Europa Cup and Arsenal are in the final and if they win it they'll be in the Champions League next year Jerry, did you notice you have to vote in pencil is that legal yes I've always ticked the boxes in pencil I think it is hi Jerry and Louise someone spray painted the posters on the Tully Allen Road into town with red paint and put some nasty words in them says Bernie Conlon don't do that that's not what we're talking about I love them when they put the holes in the eyes of the politicians in the posters Louise Hello. Scary. Oh, they all look scary Dark when you eyes. see that for sure. Or they put the moustaches on them or they do things like that. What's or or one of them, as we were saying earlier, in trim. <laughs> Noel French. Noel French. They and they scribbled everything Noel and just wrote fries. Fries underneath it. French fries. <laughs> Noel took it all in good Oh, crack. sure, winner with a, with a poster like that, isn't he? Anyway, and we were just saying, if, you're not, if you put something on the back of the poster, sure, is that illegal? There's nothing on the back of the posters. Not to deface Probably them. Probably couldn't so. be illegal, could it? Anyway, keep your posted comments coming to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Short break. And then, who are the next two into the hat? Yes, Blackstone Motors are giving away a Renault Clio. It's magnifique. It's worth €20,000. We have two of the stars of the Loud Lady Ciders today to draw the tickets. And Donal Waters is here as well. See you in a few minutes. Last week it was Sheila McDonnell and Phil Bannon. Yes, who are they? Yes, they're the ladies who are into the final for the Blackstone Motors Renault Clio giveaway. There'll be two more in a few minutes. And I'm joined on late lunch today 
again by the two boys, yes, the directors of Blackstone Motors, Noel Stewart and Donald Waters is here. Noel has just made it. I'll tell you about that in a moment. And we're also joined today by two stars of Loud Ladies GAA, Emma Byrne and Kate Flood are with us as well. You're all very welcome to the show. Good to see you. Donald, since yeah. you're settled in your seat and composed, we'll give him a minute to sort himself out to there. fix his hair, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Donald, lots more entries in this box this week. Can I say to you that the, there was an influx uh, you can see that uh, the power radio the amount of people who came in this week both to Drogheda and Dundalk uh, I think we're going to need a bigger box or maybe uh, we, we probably need to bring up the new uh, Renault traffic or the new master to put all these uh, uh, de- entrants in you know but uh, yeah uh, it, it's been great everybody is uh, can I just say that everybody even from last week is in the straw as well so just because and anyone who, uh, who is not successful this week will go into the, uh, the final draw which plays next yes. Monday so it's important to say to you do you want to win a car listen to this folks for an offer you have to do nothing you call into Blackstone and draw it on a dog fill out this wee form with your name phone number email address etc and you're in simple yeah, as that it's simple Yeah, it, it's as simple as that no yeah, test drive yeah. no nothing but when yeah. you're there have a look around you'll love it I promise you I'm going to try and sell you a car you <laughs> <know>? <laughs> sorry we probably will sell you a car <laughs> but yeah. you can win a car just for doing that think about it folks anyway Noel you're alright are you composed there are you okay are you settled down feeling okay Jerry it just shows you I'll tell you Renault's the most economic car in the world he was almost out of fuel but they'll run on snuff won't they (sighs) Running gas, they're running. <laughs> the fumes, fumes, fumes. Yeah, fumes yeah. is right. But I'm glad you mentioned that about the fuel economy on the new. There is, yeah. but shall we know that? We know that as a given. Anyway, the the draw's going well. We have two in. We'll have two more in a moment. Yeah. Looking forward to the big day on the 30th of May in yeah, Dundalk. Yeah, yeah, so we're going to have the uh, outside broadcast. You're going to be in yep. showrooms in Dundalk um, for your show, but during the the show we're going to have the the prize draw. So yeah, we looking are. forward to it. Yeah. Oh, we are. We have special guests for you as well, and Tony Conlon's going to be there. Does any man know more about motoring? than Tony Conlon Rick Grange's coming in guess why she'd have to have a bit of bubbly wouldn't you uh, on a celebratory day like that giving away a car it's not every day yeah, that you give a car away that's worth over 20 yeah. t- but Noel t- anyone who was yeah. in lose weight and feel great they have to be careful you know what I mean he couldn't really you know you know that yourself Jerry. every time I come in here you mention this and every time it, it, you mention it Donald's head gets twice the size it is and we have to open double doors to get him out you know even though he does look great I, I will say that trying to keep the weight off that's, that's, that's the thing now <laughs> isn't you know? he doing great yeah, very good, he yeah, really very is doing good. Good. ladies you're welcome to the show thank you for joining and by the way boys the reason the girls are here you sponsor loud ladies yeah we've been in association uh, with the loud ladies for probably the last three years or so of that um, and probably through Caroline and the management team of the loud ladies um, we always felt that uh, that the pitch to us was that the lads get everything and um, and the loud ladies don't so mm. we always so, so when we heard that we said listen let's, let, let, let's do it for the loud ladies and yeah so it, it's an amazing sponsorship. Uh, um, they're, they're, they're a great bunch of girls. Yeah. And who better? And it's great. I'm feeling old here now today. You're not talking with <laughs> these two beautiful ladies, but yeah, it's a great association. Yeah. Don't feel old. You're only a young flug. Way out of that. Girls, welcome to the show. Emer Byrne is with us and Kate Flood. Kate Flood, first off, hot off the press. <laughs> You're heading to Australia. Yes. Yeah. yeah. When are you going? Uh, November. Well, it depends on when Loud and the club football is all finished. So it's looking October. So hopefully I'll be flying out in November then. And this club you've signed for, tell us a, a little bit about them in Australia. They're just outside Perth, yeah? Yeah, Fremantle. They're in Perth, yeah. Yeah, it's we, a big place, Fremantle. Yeah, yeah. Be the first Irish player ever then to go over. So, Will yeah, you? It's, it's exciting. 
Have you ever been to Australia before? No. No, no. this is a first for you. <laughs> yeah. And you head out there by yourself and get set yeah, up. Yeah, and, yeah, and set up and everything. The club, they're very good now. They're brilliant. So they're going to be setting everything up for me and all that. And he was up here and allowed, uh, yes, and my manager was over. We were in a camp in Athlone over the weekend and he came up to meet um, my mum and dad and see kind of where mm-hmm. I grew up and he was at the Pats game yesterday morning mm. and got kind of insight of what way I play Gaelic so to see if I can transfer that to the AFL so I'm sure you can yeah and you <laughs> know where the net and those goalposts are young woman you certainly do and congratulations you were named TG Cahar Junior Player of the Year for 2018 as well yeah tremendous yeah. tremendous Pat's win yesterday we did Yes. Good. So it's going well with the yeah, club. Yeah. What about the loud ladies? What, what do you feel for the, the championship season ahead? What's the feeling uh, in the camp? Yeah, no, we're, we're excited about it. We're training really hard at the minute. Uh, it's not until the 30th of June, so we've a few weeks. Uh, we're playing Carlo. Kilkenny, unfortunately, had to pull out because they were struggling with numbers and that. Mm. So there's a bit of a break, but we're getting challenge matches in and training really hard. And we know what we have to work on, so mm. we're looking forward to it. Great stuff. I wish you well with Australia and good luck with Pats and Louth as well, of course, in, in the interim. But it's Thank just you. an exciting time yeah. and you're breaking new ground. First Irish girl to sign for that wonderful club there. Yeah. What about Emer Byrne, midfielder supreme? She rules the roost in the centre there, catches them all and sets up the attacks and everything like that. <laughs> Tell me this, just going back to last year, poignant time, Michal McKeown, your manager, passed away suddenly before the championship and you got to the final against Limerick as well was he was he an inspiration behind that you know journey to the final yeah um, me and my own was a fantastic manager that Loud Ladies had over the year like and it was a very sad time for everyone but um, unfortunately we didn't do the job in Crow Park that year but um, I think he'd be definitely proud looking down on us that day anyway but um um, yeah, very yeah, it was a tough time for you all. Yeah. It, it really was. What about being part of a county squad? You know, and your club is the Moctis. Yeah. How are you doing? Did you play yesterday? Yeah, we played yesterday. We bet we were three from three now, so we're doing Ooh, well. Oh, <laughs> look out, the Moctis! The Moctis this year, the ones to watch. But being part of a greater squad, you know, you compete with these girls week in, week out with, with yeah. your clubs. Mm-hmm. What's it like then when you come together in the county setup? Yeah, it's oh, it's fantastic. Like the group of girls this year, it's probably one of the strongest panel we have we've had in years. Like the competition for placements is just fantastic. Like and like please God now championship in a few weeks we're all moving well so can't wait to get out with the girls and start playing together as a unit again there's nothing to beat championship football is no, there really no it's class. that <laughs> feeling what's it like to run out at Croke Park on, on the day of a final yeah well it was nerve wracking I'll tell you that mm. but um, it was a fantastic experience and like one you'll never forget like mm. running out in Croke Park like you only dream of it from a very young age and like when you go out on that pitch you just try and make the most of it does it really give you the egg on to go again when you just fell short last year yeah it's Especially with like the group of girls, like we believe that we can do it this year, definitely. So we're really going to push on, try and get into it. But we'll take one match at one match at a time, like so. How long are you playing? When did you start? Um, like county or yeah, no, as as a child. What age were you introduced to football at? Um, probably about. I was the oldest kind of in my house because um, my three, well, my two brothers and my sister all play for the county as well. Yes. And um, kind of, I started around the age of twelve, which is probably the latest in my house. I think my okay. father thought I was never going to pick up a football. Do you know what I'm saying? Late come up, yeah. but you know, ma- really making her mark. Now, what about yourself? When did you start? Did you start younger than twelve? Then, uh, uh, yeah, I was. I'd say I started county maybe under. 
10 Did you, Kate? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I started young, but I was playing like uh, local football as well. I played um, soccer as well. I know so you did with Newry and who did you play with in Dublin? Uh, Rahini. Oh, yes, a very yeah. successful side as well. Yeah. You, you you give up the soccer to concentrate on the GAA, did you? Yeah, I gave it up two years ago because I was playing with Newry and they folded, so I would have had to either go back to Dublin or... Mm. signed for a team in Belfast and I signed for uh, Glen Torn in Belfast but it was just it was too much then trying to do the whole yeah, lot so yeah. I just kind of put Said, the soccer to I'll, one side I'll focus on it as well yeah. you enjoyed your soccer yeah I loved it yeah. where did you position your full forward in Gaelic where did you play centre half in soccer ah you see yeah. the other end of the field yeah. as well yeah. yeah interesting isn't it yeah, yeah. so listen you're an all round sports woman have you tradition like uh, we heard a moment ago uh, from Emer, like her family they're steeped with yeah. the boys and everything have you a footballing pedigree in your family uh, my dad would have played my right. brother would have played but he was in yeah. bad accent years ago so he couldn't play okay. so uh, okay. no I think I'm just mm. alone are they all now. delighted for you are you oh, all I delighted know. for this one in the loud squad that she signed for this crowd oh, Fremantle in Australia fantastic I'm yeah. trying to rub off her here be like, <laughs> <laughs> over me next <laughs> anyway will you do the drawers give that round there Noel to the girls until we do this because everybody's waiting that has entered we have a huge yeah. box here and all the enters in, get the lid off there, loads around. So first up, the Australian-bound Kate Flood, come on, you draw the first, swing them round there now till we see who you have. I hope it's my name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay, the third finalist, and there's going to be six in total, two each of the Monday. So last week, we had Sheila McDonald and Phil Bannon. Dun, 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 dun. Next into the hat is Melissa Dugan. From Annie's Kilcurry, Dundalk County. <laughs> yes. So no, we're delighted, yes, because now we have one draw to finalist, one mead finalist, one Dundalk. Well done to you, Melissa Dugan. So we hold that one there, Noel, will you? And come on, uh, Miss Byrne, will you do the necessary there and pick one out of all those entries that are in there? Dig, 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 deep. And the next one in, is that a lady we had there? That's three, yeah. three yeah. women we had in first. The men are in. There's a man. Yes. The fourth finalist is John Gallagher. Now, he doesn't say where he is, but his phone number and his email is there as well. So, John Gallagher, whoever you are, the boys will be contacting you. Congratulations to you. So, both of you have to make yourselves available on the 30th, isn't it? It is the 30th, yeah. which is a Thursday. Uh, it's a week next Thursday uh, to join us with the live late lunch coming from Blackstone Motors' new showrooms in Dundalk. And you know what? It could be one of you guys as well winning the car. So, we have a nice spread there, boys. So, just to say again, folks, if you want to get into this draw call into Blackstone Motors in Drogheda fill out that wee form that's all you have to do yeah. same with Dundalk Inner Relief Road opposite KFC <laughs> I don't know where this KFC I'll anyway. tell you one thing boys tell you, haven't you, you better send a bill we'll be sending Michael will be sending sorry if KFC are listening out there will, 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 do you have any vouchers or something that yeah. they're going to send all here I was going to say that <laughs> Michael our Michael will be sending an invoice to KFC now we've mentioned them that many times <laughs> in, in, the, in the context of this competition they'll have okay, to get on board here as well but anyway uh, it's uh, all good news all round for uh, our next two finalists two more places available next Monday here on lunch we can on late lunch we can do it next Monday so if you're not in you can't win get in there and get your entries in good luck to loud ladies good luck with your club the Moctis and St Pat's as well and all the very best to you Kate on your journey in Australia as well and thank you again uh, to the boys from Blackstone okay. Noel Stewart and Donald Waters and they'll be back with us uh, again next Monday to do another draw
Is that it, Louise? Are we done? Can we go home now? Of course we can't go home. Will you put the kettle on for the cup of tea? Yeah, we'll have to get the cup of tea now after the show. Anyway, that's it for today on Late Lunch. Thank you all so much for your company on the show. We'll be back to do it all again tomorrow from half past one. But in the meantime, Eddie's up next with The Drive. Join him and do come back to us tomorrow afternoon, Tuesday for the next show and next Monday. Get into that draw and maybe it'll be you next Monday. We'll be pulling out before the live show. That's it from Late Lunch for this Monday afternoon. Have a nice evening. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Opening launch sales offers are now available from Blackstone Motors and we are giving away a 191 Renault Clio. Get down to Blackstone Motors showrooms in Dundalk or Drogheda now to enter. LMFM Podcasts. Brought to you with Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, where you'll find the best car loan to get you on the move. Talk to one of our team today at Cartmacross Cross Credit Union, O'Neill Street or cartmacrosscu.ie.